Welcome to the Compassionate Warrior. This is a podcast about rising up and becoming a warrior. Empowering women through compassion and strength. Each episode, we will be interviewing strong women from all walks of life and learn from their journey. Today is going to be another special day because we have a returning guest, Anna Panunto. To where we left up last time, we did not focus very much on the feminism side of her. Uh, however, just to give a little bit of an introduction, Anna Panunto has a BA in English with a minor in Women's Studies and a Master's in Education with a specialization in Administration and Policy Studies. Her thesis was Women Leadership Strategies in predominantly Italian communities in the East End of Montreal. She is also a freelance writer. She's been writing poetry since the age of 13, published 11 poetry chapbooks from Poets Podium from 1997 to 2003, also published a book called Eclectic Memories by Hidden Book Press in 2003, and also published a short story called Tessa's Awakening in the year 2000 in an Italian-Canadian magazine. Furthermore, in 1998, she was invited to attend a New England conference organized by the late Frank Anthony, where she was one of the panelists. Where she also met great and famous John Keith Gilbraith, who was an economic advisor to the Kennedys back in the 1960s. That's quite of an of a encounter right there. So as a freelance writer, she's worked as a proofreader for two theses in education, both focusing on gender and education, worked as a ghostwriter for Gina Vallis' book, Our Grandmother Ourselves, won the Best Poetry Award in 1999 from the Sicilian Cultural Community in, Turan- in Toronto, Ontario. Mm. So once again, welcome back, Anna. Thank you, Alpha. It's amazing to be back. Thank oh. you for having me here. Oh, it's a pleasure always. So this is quite different, right? Because mm-hmm. now we're going to be focusing a different side of you, not mm-hmm. from being an adult educator, but now focusing on the things that you have accomplished over those years, mm-hmm. being a poet, you know, and, you know, writer yourself too Mm -hmm. so i've seen here you've brought along with you published poets poetry right yes i've i've brought with me some of my stuff so as we can see these are called uh, chapbooks when they were originally published people asked what are chapbooks so uh very simple in form they're just uh, staple bound less than 30 pages and poets podium um was organized by uh kenneth elliott and he ran this uh, small publication uh, company, if you want to call it that, uh, in Ontario, in Cornwall, Ontario. Um, and so uh, he also had a newsletter and he also gave us uh, poets the opportunity to review other poets' uh, chapbooks, which I did. I was also a reviewer and that was also a great way to network with other writers. That's really great. But going back to your journey here, you said you started writing poetry at the age of 13. Yes, I was 13 years old when I was first inspired to write. Um, It was mostly about my thoughts Mm -hmm. as a teenager. uh, You know, would we write about identity, love, uh, our place in society? So it that's how it started. It was mostly in free verse and just they were really short meditations of how I felt. That's really great. And mm-hmm. that kind of progressed and evolved as you grow older to where it became an interest mm-hmm. and then it became a passion to where you have actually published your own poetry and even 
written short stories? Actually, I was very fortunate. Uh, my secondary uh, for English teacher, um, her name was Joy, and she indeed was a joy. She wanted to give me the opportunity back then when I was a 17-year-old to actually uh, go study in Vermont. Um, it, this was a private college okay. where it was a I believe a two-year program where uh, writers can develop their skills and become published writers. But unfortunately, I refused the opportunity because I didn't want to leave my home, my family, coming from a traditional Italian family. It wasn't an option, but she did inspire me and she did encourage me to keep on writing. That's really great. Mm -hmm. It's very important to have a really good mentor and yes. someone who continually believes in your dream and yes. sees your potential, right? Especially at that age. Exactly. Yes. So why don't we, um, I don't know where to begin here. There's a lot of things to look at. So what if, okay, I'll try to, the, try to look at this one. The Woman Behind the Doors. Yes, actually, um, The Woman Behind the Doors, Volume 1, 2, and 3. These are my first publications. Um, and they came in three volumes. And basically, they, the poetry is written in free verse. Okay. Uh, I've kept that style. Um, and it's all about my cultural identity and my place as a female Italian-Canadian, mm -hmm. um, my bicultural identity. Uh, and also, it also uh, explores my feminism, my sexuality. Uh, I, during this time, I was in my 20s. Um, and so uh, there were lots of things that I questioned. Uh, the intergenerational gap was one. Uh, my relationship with my father, my mother, um, my perception of love, my sexuality. Um, so a, a lot of the poetry, um, many people have, um, the feedback that I got was that the poetry is very vivid, it's uh, stark, uh, it strikes a nerve. Um, sometimes uh, people have said that it's unnerving, um, a little bit disturbing, dark because I basically express what is inside of me that I normally would not express in everyday life. So it's my, as I call it in the chat books, my channel of liberation, mm -hmm. my voice that no one shall take away, mm -hmm. you know, it's my sword as well. Um, and it's my power. That's really great. Yeah. So I, I'm going to read a little bit of uh, what, I, you know, poetry here oh which um, one have you chosen alpha it kind of struck me the little girl of an immigrant oh wow oh wow well that strikes me that it struck you because uh, i've used that poem um in high schools and i've used that poem for many uh papers that i've written that poem uh was dedicated to my father it was written um, when I was 21, and it was revised so many times. Um, it's dark. <laughs> so go, go ahead and read. <laughs> Papa, your magnetic hazel eyes unravel a grivy story. Through the arduous years, I have finally understood the tolls of your labor permeate through your callow skin. Contentiously, your rugged hands filled with blisters voice the hardship of survival. Your language impaired your freedom. As you uttered the simplest words, you shuddered as the foreigners smirked on your face. You were no longer Italiano, but a wop and spaghetti. Hmm. Despising my fluent tongue, you entrapped me with your Italian sword. 
As you gaze into my foreign eyes, you desire to contaminate my innocence. As you caress my soft pink hands, you secretly wish their damnation. Vicariously through me, you lead your Canadian identity. And this was written in September of 1996. That's right, the final version. So tell me, what were you thinking or what were you feeling at the time when you've written this? Well, as women, we go through many phases in our identity, our our cultural identity, if you like. So this was my 20s phase, and I had uh, a lot of anger towards my father. Um, There was a separation of uh, identity and of place in the world. So um, as I became educated and as I forged ahead with all my feminist views and ways of living, um, there developed uh, a power struggle between us, which in my 30s and 40s got resolved. So it was part of the journey. And this poem really talks about the intergenerational gap and a traditional Italian daughter Um, expressing her identity and standing up for what she believes in, which may be very different from what her father had expected. So it was a period, a turbulent period in our relationship. If if we were to compare your process, your journey back when you were young to the modern age right now, which is uh, digital world, Mm -hmm. right? I, I would resume that as to young girls posting how they feel on social media, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. It's out in the open, out in the public. Mm -hmm. Well, back in the days, it's more of a very contained relationship with oneself. Well, back in the 90s and in the early 2000s, we did a lot of spoken word. Um, I've given poetry readings and art galleries. Um, we've also organized local community get-togethers. Uh, I was quite active in the Italian-Canadian community he- here in Montreal and in Toronto, and we engaged in panel discussions. Mm-hmm. We published and we corresponded via email, but indeed we did not have Facebook. We did not have LinkedIn. We did not have um, WhatsApp or any of these uh, social media forums. We only had, uh, yeah, email. And there was another one, and now I forget, that was emerging back in the late 90s. The names, it slips was my it mind. Was it Friendster? I, 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 yeah. But we published. We published. We did things the, the hard way, the long way. Okay. Um, and... I don't think that we are expressing ourselves any better now than in the past. We're just expressing ourselves differently. I agree. I mean... Um, And in reference to the intergenerational gap and in reference to women's place in the world, well, I'd like to talk about Herodin. Okay, what is this? Uh, Herodin uh, is very... Is a very special thing. It was a publication, a journal that took place in 1993 and in 1994 at McGill University. So uh, a bunch of teachers wanted to put together a, a women's studies program, and they had to fight really hard for it, for McGill to accept it. Uh, finally, it was approved that we 
could actually get a minor in women's studies. So what did we do? We had to be very active. Uh, at the time, we selected courses in all disciplines just to get the minor. So I took courses in anthropology. I took courses in religious studies, in sociology to get enough credits. Herodin uh, was a way of promoting that. And I got, this was my first publication. I published two very short, simple poems <clears throat> in Herodin, but it was a way to get womanism, feminism out there. Mm -hmm. Being uh, of Italian origin, I wasn't a visible minority. And in those days, um, it was a little bit radical. You had to be a, a lesbian or a visible minority to be approved as a feminist womanist. Myself being of European origin, white, straight, I wasn't really part of that group, but nevertheless, I put myself out there and I did get published and I did write and study and express myself um, in regards to my feminism. And that indeed, um, it, regardless of your ethnic origin, regardless of your sexual orientation, you can indeed be a feminist. And what does it mean to be a feminist? <clears throat> I don't define myself as a radical feminist and I never will. <clears throat> I see myself as a social feminist. Mm -hmm. I believe that men can be feminists as well. I just believe in equal opportunity on all levels, be it on an economic, political, sociological level, we're all equal. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. Yes, I agree. Um, going back to all of this published poetry that you have done, it's a form of communication, it's a form of expressing ourselves. Being a woman, how effective does words when we communicate and, or express ourselves? Uh, for me, words have always been <clears throat> my weapon in a positive way <clears throat> and in a negative way. Mm -hmm. um, I see words as swords. Through my poetry... I've always um, identified with words in an enlightening spiritual way. Um, <clears throat> but for every person, it's different. So words can empower, words can disempower. Um, I guess uh, where it gets a little tricky is the inter interpretation. So you may read my poetry and dislike it, detest it, hate it, because the words, as I mentioned earlier, tend to be very stark, dark, uh, unnerving. But nevertheless, um, <clears throat> an expression is an expression. Mm -hmm. So um, I make it a point that whenever I'm reading other people's poetry, um, I try not to judge. I try not to, um, yeah, I would say judge uh, their... Um, their quality of writing. I detest when people say, this is a good poem. That's a bad poem. A poem is a poem. It's an expression. We don't have the right to judge. And when students want me to interpret my poetry before even engaging in it, uh, I have to tell them that it's not possible. I want them to personally identify with the words, with the feeling and then at the end, once we've finished 
doing all that, then I may, I may uh, give them a historical background <laughs> or of the uh, poem. I don't believe in, in throwing out the interpretation of my poetry for people. I believe that poetry is a way to connect mm-hmm. because we all come from different places. And if a, a verse speaks to your heart, to your soul, <clears throat> then that's what poetry is meant to do. Got it. So I, I see that you do have your book with you. Yes. It's Eclectic Memories. Um, now that we're talking about expressing yourself and you know having a different interpretation of the book. And plus, you do have a review as well. So maybe you can uh, read a passage from your book and then we'll discuss about the, the feedback that you receive. Um, first, I'd like to give you uh, a little bit of a background of the origin and creation of this book. Okay. Me. Okay, so Eclectic Memories uh, was put together by my students and, and myself. Okay. Um, the photographer of this book um, was uh, Stefan, Steph. He was my uh, secondary five English student. And the models... As you can see in, in the book, there, there's photos here. Um, wow. And they are also, they were also my former students and they were all in the same class. So we decided to use our skills together and create this book, My Poetry, Stefan's Photography Skills. He was a professional photographer and the models. And we put together uh, photos. So this book is very special to me for that reason. And then the forward was written by Kenneth Elliott, the publisher of my chapbooks, which I was so grateful for. Um, and then I was very lucky two years later, I got a book review for this book and the reviewer is quite well known in the literary community in the Canadian literary community her name is Catherine Gordon mm-hmm. um, and Catherine is an author editor publisher and reviewer so I was very grateful and I just would like to read a short passage of her, of her review of my book if I may go for it this book is not a walk on green grasses, but a razor-edged journey through the sharp knife pain of vision and learning. Eclectic memories is more absorption of life through the senses than a tale of events. You will smell mama's cooking, feel the fabric of wrappings and the fleshy, fleshly consummation of love and longing. This is quite an accomplishment to captivate a reader into a world that resonates with great truth while speaking to all the starved senses. That's very poignant. And you asked me um, to choose a poem. That is correct. That is related to my feminist identity. Mm -hmm. And so I have chosen a poem entitled Ex Poemia. Why do I obliterate the Maria out of my name? It is only a middle name. No, 
I refuse to accept it. Let a pregnant woman take it. I enter a dimension unknown to my beloved ancestors. One that is taboo to all women. Peeling off layers of suppression, oppression, and repression. I ask myself, who is this stranger in a black cape lurking behind me now? I have now become a loner. And do not fear isolation from the mind. But my inner voice tells me to reminisce to that nostalgic identity. So I am sipping my traditional wine, a byproduct of me. How odd, though. My body has absorbed its dilution. Imperfections? Gone! I am finally me. Ex poemia. Hmm. It's pretty, actually, poignant and strong. It's very clear. Now, it's reading that passage now and looking back all of your journey, mm-hmm. what reflection or what idea have come into your mind? In relation to my feminism, in relation exactly. to... Um, I think feminism is defined differently. And I think all women are womanists or feminists in their own way. My way is to be in your face, <laughs> direct. <laughs> and that can be offensive to both men and women. Very much so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, for me, feminism is, uh, means being able to speak and express oneself, whether it's positive, negative, offensive, inoffensive, light, dark, positive, negative, etc., etc., that's my feminism. And have you ever had an encounter or any opinion or feedback from anyone that say you're a little abrasive? Or All you- the time. I've been called abrasive, aggressive, confrontational, arrogant. All of them by both men and women. And sometimes um, I would actually hate myself. And I would wish to to just be different, to be more docile, to be uh, gentle, delicate, to be what others would expect me to be. So I've struggled with that over the years. Uh, But I'm learning. I'm really learning to just accept who I am. Accepting who you are in what way? I am direct. I am candid. I am offensive at times. I'm depressive at other times. I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm negative. I'm inspirational. I'm all these different things. And the bottom line is, as long as I know who I am, and I think, once again, this is the foundation of feminism. If I know who I am and if I accept who I am, regardless of other people's judgments in whichever profession or domain we're in, um then we are true to ourselves. We are authentic. The authentic self needs to emerge. And it can happen to a woman at any age, 20, 30, 40, 50. Um, But once your authentic self emerges, 
then you will be true to yourself and not live behind the shadow of another. That I very much so agree. I always believed in in a uh, saying, never trade your authenticity for approval. I mean, exposing your vulnerability, accepting who you are Mm -hmm. by being compassionate towards yourself as well is one way that you're embracing your femininity and being kind to yourself one way or another. And also, I would like to add something um, that men have read and reviewed my poetry and their introspection is quite interesting. What were the comments like? Um, if, if I may, I would like to share, oh, I think I put it away, but I remember Richard Kitson, when he reviewed one of my chapbooks, it was Black Apples. Um, there was one statement that he made that will stay with me forever. And he said, uh, what a beautiful face, but sad eyes. Hmm. And he kept saying how sad my eyes were, both uh, via the picture and through the words. So he imagined sad eyes whenever he would read the verses of my poetry. And that stayed with me. My sad eyes. Mm. Would you would you agree that, that women tend to express themselves with emotions all the time, whereas I know we 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 don't like to do the cliche of comparison between men and women, but with men, they're not very much men who are very authentic in expressing their emotions. They tend to camouflage or hide or suppress those emotions. Whereas women tend to be very much out there and open. Like take me for what I am, feel me for what I've, you know, for what I've expressed to you mm-hmm. and underst- be understood the way it should be understood. Whereas men, we tend to like, okay, we try to analyze and it's just like a blessing or opportunity whenever they try to ex- express themselves. It's like, oh wow, you trusted me enough that you would. But where are the occasions or when will it happen that men will be much more vocal about their emotions? First of all, we have to look, there are many factors at play. <laughs> we have to look at the age groups. Are you talking about youths of today? Are you talking about middle-aged people? Someone my age who's 50, who's middle-aged, was raised in a specific way, being of ethnic origin. So age group, uh, ethnic background, mm-hmm plays a big role Um, and also individual personality plays a role so you could be born into a culture that is male dominant but you are not that way then personality also plays a role I've been married three times Uh, first one was Italian Canadian second one Portuguese Canadian my third husband Jordanian Jordanian so um I've been a wife to these three different men as an Italian Canadian woman. And I can tell you, yes, my voice has offended them on several occasions. And yes, I am a very strong woman. And yes, I do come across as being aggressive. Has that affected or impacted my personal relationships with men? Yes, it has. Has it impacted my relationships on a professional level? No. Has it impacted my friendships? No. Has it impacted my relationships with family members? Yes, absolutely. So 
from my perspective, from my experience, because I embody both masculine and feminine character traits. And because I am, as people have defined me, strong, Mm -hmm. it has affected my personal relationships. So this is only from my perspective. I cannot answer for others. It's very, very, very subjective. I have met men that are very emotional, that cry, that express themselves candidly. And I have met women that are very cold and calculating and unexpressive. So very hard to say. I can only speak for myself. So my feminism is very individualistic, <laughs> very personalized. Very much so. And you yeah. embody that very much so. Yeah. I mean, you have your own way of representing your feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, you embrace it in certain level. Mm-hmm. And you've actually expressed that continuously mm-hmm. in a form of communication mm-hmm. that I find uh, observed over the years. And uh, this is the first time actually you've shared me all of this poetry that you have published, have done over mm-hmm. those years mm-hmm. and it's very expressive it's very strong it's very powerful the vivid descriptions of emotions is out there and if i may add uh, aside from poetry i've also written short stories i've mm-hmm. also published a radio play i've recently written unpublished an autofiction piece in memory of my dad um And what I would like to say about my radio play, which was uh, uh, published uh, by Estelle Rosen on CKUT, this was back in 2003, that focused on the intergenerational gap. And Marianne, I reversed the name. My name is Ana Maria, and the character's name is Marianna. I reversed it. Um, Was an only child, daughter, and she was struggling with the intergenerational gap and being different, being wanting to be independent. So that came through in the radio play. My feminism has been channeled not only via poetry, but also through my short stories, my radio plays, and in different manifestations, depending on the different journeys that I've been through. <clears throat> I've been very active in my 20s and 30s and then it sort of subsided in my 40s and now is resurfacing once again so a woman's journey can be erratic mm-hmm. or like the ebb and fo- flow of the ocean it can come and go in waves and i always say i will always remain a writer regardless of what i'm doing in life I've worked as a housekeeper at a hospital while I was a student, cleaning rooms. I'm a writer. I was a salesperson at a store. I'm a writer. I'm an English teacher, but I'm a writer. What does that mean? That means that I imagine, I envision, I feel, I feel characters. Um, I see symbols. I connect. That's my writer side. I feel, regardless of what I'm doing in life. And some people um, don't value that. They will say, you're a writer only if you're published, only if you're successful, only if people know you. 
No. You take that with you wherever you go. Whether I do it or not, even in my everyday conversations, whether I write or not, it doesn't matter. My way of expressing, my way of viewing the world, my way of connecting with people is as that of a writer. Um, when I was uh, an academic English teacher, students would ask me, Anna, are you a teacher first or a writer first? How do you identify yourself? And then I would, it was sort of like a rhetorical question. Then I would ask them, well, how do you identify me? And some would say, a writer. Others, no, a teacher. And then they would ask the question again. And I said, well, I think I'm a writer first and then a teacher. And also it's my way, um, writing has been um, a ther very therapeutic for me. I mentioned earlier that it's my channel of liberation. It's also my healing. In the last two years, I... I've experienced two great losses, the loss of my beloved father and my beloved friend, Mike. I wrote poetry in their memory. Um, and although it brought many tears to my eyes as I was putting it together in their memory, after having finished the piece, I felt liberated, I felt healed, and I felt that their memory in, in, in a form of like a spirit was out there. It was posted on Facebook. It was written and photocopied and distributed to students and to friends. So the written word, the typed word, the posted word remains eternal. And there is no greater gift that we can give anyone than the written word. <laughs> That's very beautiful. Well, I'd advise, I mean, I wish there's a lot more women or young girls would mm -hmm. aspire to do or to follow the leader, somehow find a way or a way of expressing mm -hmm. themselves through poetry. What would you suggest mm -hmm. to any aspiring young girl or woman who would like to pursue this as a path or something that they have that inkling of becoming a poet themselves, but they're too embarrassed or too afraid to express themselves or to show it or share it with anyone else. What, what would you suggest for them to do? Well, based on my observations of today's youths and all the social media, I don't see women being afraid really of expressing themselves. I think they're very forthcoming. Um, and the, my only concern right now mm -hmm. is not whether young women, um, are afraid of expressing their thoughts because they're quite daring and bold and courageous. It's not what it used to be. Uh, a young woman can do whatever she wants, however she wants. My only concern <clears throat> is how our, uh, image, our body image plays mm -hmm. a role. I mean, body image has always played a role throughout history, but I see it being <clears throat> a problem more so now. Probably in what way? Well, plastic surgery is easily accessible, Botox, fillers, 
fake eyelashes. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Does that interfere with my identity, my real identity? A little bit. Because I'm focusing a little bit on the superficiality of my image. Mm -hmm. So I can post my poem anywhere on social media, but I'm going to be fanatical about how I look, right? Whereas in the past, well, like I said, it was always an issue, but not so much. And not only for women, also for men. There's a lot of pressure on body image right now. So there goes back to what we talked about, being authentic, right? And Mm. accepting oneself. But we also have to accept the changing times, right? Having a sociology background as well, society is always evolving. And this is what is important to us now. Had it not been important, then people wouldn't be doing it. So I think also the term authentic and authenticity has been revised in today's society. And coming from another generation being born in the late 60s, my definition of authentic may differ from someone being born in the 90s or the new millennium, right? (laughs) And we have to accept this is the reality of life. Well, translated in different ways, interpreted in different versions, right? So it's based on perception. That's right. And assumptions and how we define it as we feel or as we see it. That's right. right. So it, it goes back and forth. But going back to the feminism and you embracing the poetry in you, mm-hmm. and you're still continuing to write, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned you publish uh, poetry for the, the loved ones who have departed recently, Mike and your dad at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you were to write a um, another poem for yourself this time, mm-hmm. what would it be? What would be a title or... Well, when I wrote Ex Poemia, the poem that I recited, I wrote that in the year 2000. Okay. Now, 20 years later, what would I write about myself? That's a very good question. Um, I think I would write a poem about being kind to myself. About (laughs) self-kindness. Yeah, it, it would be, I think it would actually change it wouldn't be so uh unnerving or dark this time it would be gentle i think the words would be gentle and don't forget as i've always told you alpha i need to be inspired i need to have my muse around me if my muse or you know i like to call my muse my guardian angel you know my my writing guides if they're not around I won't write anything. So I can be inspired just like that and whip up a poem for you in five minutes and not write for eight months. And I don't have writer's block. I don't believe in that. There's no writer's block. It's inspiration and based on the muse. But I could tell you one thing, what I feel in my soul. I feel that the poem dedicated to me at this moment would be very gentle, delicate, soft, sensual. Um, because I've overcome all that. I've overcome the fight. I've won the battle. I've won the war within myself. It's done. It's over. Now it's time to just reclaim and, and just be kind to my humanity. Embracing it. I've embraced it. Just being kind to it. That's it. I've reached that phase in my life. 
It's very interesting that you mentioned about being kind because this is this has been a recurring theme with mm. the last few episodes too as well. Mm. To be kind to others, to be kind to oneself. Oh, I've been very kind to others, to be but kind. unkind to myself. Then there goes self-compassion, right? Social conditioning, sociocultural conditioning. I was raised in a culture where it's not necessary for me to be kind to myself. I need to be kind to others in order to be a good woman. And why do you think it matters now than what it was before? Well, I've discovered <laughs> at the age of 50 uh, that being a kind, uh, a good woman, quote unquote, means being kind to yourself as well. Actually, it means being kind to yourself first and then onto others. So in a way, I've been doing it all wrong. Um, Or a lot of us. Yeah. And it's okay. Again, I have to be kind to myself. It's okay. As long as I've learned, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Our journey is very personalized and very individualistic. Even though I believe in the collective and I believe in communal support, I believe in that immensely. We still have our own individual path. I have met women half my age that have twice the wisdom that I have. And I am so grateful to know them because they can teach me. They can inspire me. So, yeah, I I really have this mindset that our journey is very personalized. But sociocultural conditioning plays a vital role to our identity as women. Mm-hmm. My identity as wife is one thing. My identity as daughter, another. My identity as sister. Mm-hmm. I do not know my identity of mother, but I've been a surrogate mother to many But I haven't been a biological mother to anyone. So I don't know that part of my identity. That's fine. And Mm -hmm. you live vicariously in the process of having different roles. And you build your relationship around that too as well. And what I've noticed too as well, um, you know, after discussing this, I realized that you become another person every time depending on the role that you've fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you, you do it with passion and dedication, being true, the truest person in that role, you know, mm-hmm. like not not sugarcoating anything, just being who you are and fulfilling that role whatsoever. Yes, I don't sugarcoat. And yeah, in all the roles, you're right. You never I do. don't sugarcoat. And that do. can be interpreted as a little bit offensive. Or I, undiplomatic. <laughs> yes, but you're oftentimes misunderstood. You know, like you said, like there's so many. You take the, everything, whatever other people say, with a grain of salt. Mm. But the most important thing is you know yourself more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And this is the constant dialogue that we should be having as an individual and being a woman, right? Um, the- like I said, I really <clears throat> embrace my masculine and feminine 
side or my masculine, my yin and yang, yin right? Yin yang, yes. And the misunderstood side is the masculine. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from perspective of a woman or yeah. vice versa, right? Mm. Because we do have a different, you know, why are you behaving the way you behave right now? It's not uncalled for. It's not acceptable because you sh it's not your character because you're a woman. I'm dominant. I'm a dominant woman. I'm an alpha female. <laughs> <laughs> right, alpha? Yes, 100%. Oh, my God. No, and it's okay. And it's, it's okay. Fine. It's okay. So being kind, Anna, you're an alpha female. You have a masculine side, but that's okay. Whereas um, in the past, I would torture myself or punish myself privately, not, never in public, because I'm very proud. Mm -hmm. uh, never in public, but I would punish myself for being this way. Why can't I be more gentle? Why can't I be docile? Why can't I submit? Okay, so... Uh... Tell me, do you have any projects in 2020 or um, are you going to be experimenting with different styles of writing or poetry by any chance? Well, in the last few years, I've been <clears throat> experimenting as an amateur digital photographer, kind of playing with that and really enjoying it. Okay. Um, I am actually uh, thinking of writing uh, my autobiography, thinking about it. That's in the plans for the future. I don't know about 2020 per se, but definitely um, going to play with some digital photography and also continue with my father's auto fiction short story. That's really great. Mm -hmm. If I may share, I know that you posted this on Facebook at one time, what mm -hmm. would be a best or a good title of my autobiography? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people actually participated mm -hmm. and made a comment, including myself, to where I've suggested was it the Maria in me? Yes, it was the Maria in me, which is very interesting because when I shared with you and recited Ex Poemia, I refute the Maria in me. And so now you're asking me to embrace her. <clears throat> and perhaps that is, that will complete the journey for me of my womanist feminist identity to finally embrace Maria. Yeah. Given the theme that you've mentioned earlier to be kinder to yourself, I guess that's, that's right. kind of pretty much align itself. Absolutely. It's very interesting how it comes about, right? It all comes together. Exactly. Yeah, finally, it all comes together. Yeah. It finally does. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like with just like open conversation, just like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we kind of somehow created another project for you that's going to be something to look forward to. There you go. <laughs> right so thank you once again Anna so one lesson that I'd like to ask from you obviously um, you've shared your thoughts of what warrior being mm -hmm. means to you mm -hmm. uh, maybe you could somehow uh, spare us your thoughts of wisdom mm -hmm. to all women out there or any aspiring artists out there what would be your message to them <clears throat> to all the women out there <clears throat> of varying age groups and uh, nationalities and sexual orientation. Uh, my message is just express yourself, even if it offends others. <laughs> express yourself regardless. Um, be authentic in the way you define authenticity. Um, don't change yourself in order to be loved or accepted by someone. Don't be ashamed of your roots. Don't be ashamed of your status. Don't be ashamed to be poor. 
Don't feel guilty for being beautiful. Um, don't overachieve in order to please others. That's a good one. Don't base your value on your financial status and how much money you have in your bank account. Don't use people for your benefit. That's my message. Because in today's world, women are e pretty much equal to men. There's a lot of discourse as, as to how women have not yet obtained equality in comparison to other countries, such as the Scandinavian countries, and there is truth to that. However, we're pretty much up there. Yes, the glass ceiling is still there, but it's a little bit higher than it was. I agree. So that's my message. Well, thank you. That's really empowering. Mm -hmm. And I hope everyone do actually take those nuggets and somehow embrace them. Yeah. And uh, hopefully there's going to be a future generation of women stronger, empowered, and full of wisdom who mm -hmm. sees their value see-through mm -hmm. and actually embrace their femininity, individuality, and compassionate side. And don't forget something I'd like to say in our conclusion is that when we say women, we're including transgendered women. Yes. Um, and maybe one day, that's for another time, I'd really like to talk about that because when I was doing my master's, I did a very special project on transgendered uh, identity and sexuality, and I found it fascinating. Um, and so I just wanted to throw it out there. We're also including transgendered women. There yeah. are women too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. So once again, it's been an informative afternoon. Thank you for sharing with us your journey, being a poet yourself, a writer, and sharing with us all of these great published uh, books and short stories mm -hmm. with great acclamation and reviews from people. Um, I encourage everyone to please, please suggest or comment onto our um, podcast. Uh, if you have anything to, that you'd like to share, if you would like to know more any of our guests, feel free to drop a line at thecompassionatewarrior2019 at gmail.com. Once again, this is a podcast for everyone out there who needs to become a warrior, who feels like a warrior. This is for all of us, made by a warrior just like yourself. So once again, my name is Alpha Gumbak, the Compassionate Warrior. Thank you.